And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Guy Merritt. Guy had two UFO encounters, and after the second one, a lot of strange things started happening in his life, and today we're going to talk about it. Guy, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me and inviting me, and I hope that, you know, I hope that I can explain, you know, tell my story in a way that people find interesting, and yourself included, and I, I think makes sense. I think it will. So let's start on the day that yours happened, the first one, and um, tell us what happened. Well, it happened on March the 18th of 1994. And just for some context, I live in Michigan. And for the two weeks preceding that, there'd been, there was this big UFO flap that you can, you can go on YouTube and do searches and over on, over in Holland, Michigan, which is on the west side of the state, right on Lake Michigan. And it had been documented, you know, in the national, it had been, generally you don't see this stuff on the national news. I didn't follow UFO stuff, but it was on like ABC World News Tonight and CBS Evening News because over Lake Michigan, uh, pillars of the community, you know, like pastors and police, all kinds of people had seen UFOs and they'd been tracked on by National Weather Service radar. And, uh, you know, so I'd seen it on the news because back then I watched the news. Now I, try to avoid it but uh i watch independent media but you know back then there was no internet really uh, i seen it on the news thought that's weird not a big deal but it wasn't near flint i don't know i'm backwards but like here's michigan right and holland's over here by lake michigan flint's down here so i didn't think they were around flint i didn't think that much of it that was interesting but uh thursday night the 17th i was going out i was a musician and uh I was going out to play in a, in a, a little a gig in a little bar east of Flint, and I was walking out of the house. And right as I was walking out of the house, there was a newspaper on, on the end table, on an end table, and uh, I think my mom had bought the paper. I lived with my mom and and uh, my wife and two kids. And the front page of the Flint Journal was an article about a lady calling nine one one. It was a transcript of an article screaming that there was this UFO above the house across the street. It was crazy. I mean, I read this article and I'd never seen anything like that in Flint Journal. I was like, you know, what is this? And uh, I'll never forget driving out to play this little gig in Emily City. I said to my wife, <laughs> I'll never forget. I said, I was thinking about that article. I'd never seen anything like that in Flint Journal. I said, man, it'd be cool to see a UFO. You know, I'm thinking a light in the sky or something, you know, not, not what happened, but, uh, and I had a crappy job. I'd fallen between the cracks. I had a temp, I was working a temp job about 50 miles south of Flint. And I got home from the gig, got about two hours sleep, got up. I had to be there at six o'clock. So I got up real early, hopped on a freeway there in Flint and went about six miles east. And I hit I-75 and it's a cloverleaf. I got an I-75 and right where you get on I-75 or 69, it's another freeway. I was, I got an I-75 to go south about 45 miles to this plant, this temp job. You, you immediately go up over an overpass and the Flint's Bishop airport is right there to your Southwest and you're elevated and uh, south of the airport, really low on the horizon. I saw these two brilliant white lights. I mean, like really bright and, it was big and really, like I said, really low on the horizon. And I thought, man, that's a big plane landing at Bishop Airport. Because Bishop Airport in Flint 
I'd never seen it was it's not really a big city and and uh I'd never seen a commercial plane landing at that time you know I thought wow I didn't think they landed you know commercial flights at this time but I was just like maybe it's a cargo plane you know so I came off that overpass and then I couldn't see those lights uh it's kind of an area of urban sprawl there for a couple of miles and about two and a half miles south yeah and I-75 splits. I actually bared to the right and took another interstate freeway, US-23, right there by the airport. It splits. So I'm on I-75 for a minute, then I take US-23, which is still a heavily traveled. This None of this makes any sense, man. It's still a heavily traveled freeway. And it's 5 o'clock in the morning, so traffic is sparse. But, you know, there's traffic on a freeway. And I reach a point where the freeway kind of curves to the west for about half a mile or a quarter of a mile and goes back to the south. And at that point, it suddenly becomes quite rural. It's, it's March. There's no leaves on the trees. And I get to this point on the freeway now, and suddenly, and it's it's farmland there suddenly. And I can see these lights clearly now. And I can tell that they're almost, almost on the ground. And they're this really odd color of white and shimmering, and they're a long ways apart. Like, this thing is really really big and it's and it's uh almost on the ground and it's obviously not an airplane and i'm thinking is this a helicopter what is this and i started getting really scared i was just i sensed i mean if you could have seen this man this was just the lights of it i'm like this is nothing normal and this is and i'm on a freeway and there's cars and i'm like a lot of things went through my mind. I wanted to turn around. I was looking for one of those things on a freeway where there's a crossover thing where you can, I just wanted to go the other way, man. I want to get out of there. Cause when I curved to the South, suddenly I'm lined up with this thing. The, the, the nearest headlight is almost over the lane I'm driving in. And it's like, it's, it's above a grove of trees. I mean, I looked up the other night, how tall is an oak tree? And I mean, this thing at most was like 130 feet in the air. I mean, it's like, and it's, to me, it seemed huge. I mean, it was big, you know, and I couldn't see the form of it. I just saw these lights, but, but it was some kind of craft. And I was like, and there was the oddity of this whole thing to me was that, okay, I saw it from three miles away. It's been sitting there for, for a minute, for a couple of minutes. And there's some traffic. There was like a cube van ahead of me, and I could see other cars. cars. Nobody's pulled over. And here's this huge thing. And I'm like, what is happening in my life right now? You know, what is this? And I kept thinking, I kept thinking over and over, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. Like, And it was like a thought that just... I now think that the thing communicated with me telepathically. And I have reasons that some stuff that confirmed that very recently, this was 27 years ago, but this thing was like warding me off, but I did what I didn't see other people do. I slowed way down, you know, and it was hard because I was, I scared out of my mind. I've never been that. I almost died in a house fire in 1991 and I've never been that scared. And I slowed way down when I got under, I had to kind of look up, and and when I got under it, this it had an orangish red light that was pulsating like a heartbeat. Just bloop. 
bloop, and it lit it up, and it had like a striated underbelly. Like, you know, it looked like something out of Star Wars. And, you know, had this thing been on a horizontal plane, I could have hit it with a rock. There's no sound at all. There's this huge craft. And again, nobody's slowing down. Nobody's hitting the brakes. I'm like, I, and I lost it, man. I, when I saw that light, when I saw the form of this thing, and I was so close to it, I was, I, I kept thinking too, is this happening all over the world? Because my pers- I thought this has got to be like a, an invasion because it wouldn't be next to a freeway where we could all see it. I, I think we can all see it. And now I have questions about that. You know, I, I don't know. Um, it was so bizarre when that, when I saw that red light, I saw the form of it, the striations. And, and you know, like I said, it looked like something out of star Wars. I gunned the car. I went about seven or 800 yards and I tapped the brakes just to look back because, you know, you have this moment that you're like, you know, is this real? I mean, it's a strange, it's a strange thing to deal with. And, uh, I mean, I looked back and that, that orange light was lighting up. Those headlights weren't in my eyes anymore. And that orangish red light was lighting up the trees, you know. And I was like, this is real. And I floored the car, man. I floored it. I passed I passed a couple of exits and I went to, to the far side of a town called Fenton, Michigan. And I got off the freeway. Oh man, it's great. I went in this convenience gas station store thing. And I, I was, I was like, there's this thing out above the freeway. That's it's hovering above the freeway, you know? And, and I was, these people were looking at me like, you know, did this guy just walk away from a group home or whatever, you know? And, uh, and I tried, I remember this before, I didn't have a cell phone, this is 94. I tried to call my then wife on a, on a pay phone they had. And I don't even know why. I just, I need, I wanted to talk to somebody and uh, the phone didn't work. So I had to get back on the freeway and drive to work. And that was, I was nervous. You know, I didn't want to see anything like that again, man. I was like, and I got to work and uh, got to work and, some people were talking about it a little bit at, at, on my first break, people were, a couple of people were talking about it. Not, not as many as it seems like should have been because a lot of the people in this little factory was in a town called New Hudson. It was called Deco Manufacturing and it was a crappy temp job. We made parts for Ford. And on my first break, I went to the, the cafeteria and I was kind of babbling about this, man. I was, I didn't even want to be at work. I was really it scared the hell out of me. And uh, this young couple approached me, a tall kid, blonde kid, and his girlfriend that worked there. I was 41 at the time, and they were young. They were like 20. And uh, it, both their eyes were like, you know, saucers. They were like, and the guy said to me, man, man, what was that thing? What was that? I said, I don't know. I don't know. Some kind of UFO. And I remember some lady chimed in and said, oh, I've seen that before. It's the state police helicopter. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this was no helicopter. I mean, I, I got a great look at it. I mean, I, this thing left nothing to the imagination. And it still is bizarre to me that, I mean, nobody had pulled, people weren't even slowing down. And uh, none of it. And I thought, you know, there'd been some articles in the journal about UFOs. So all day I was excited to get home. I, I wanted to get home. I just wanted to get out of there. And I, and I thought, this would certainly be on the 6 p.m. or 11 p.m. in the Eastern time zone. That's when the local news airs. And I, so I was, 
you know, sitting at the TV at six o'clock thinking this is going to be, I thought it might be on the national news, you know, and uh, nothing on the local news at all. You know, and I was like, I couldn't believe it. So I waited until 11. There's nothing on the 11 o'clock news, right? I mean, this is so bizarre to me. I'm like, none of this, you know, my brain is basically draining out my ear at this point. And so, but I thought, absolutely, this is going to be in the newspaper tomorrow. So I jumped out of bed in the morning and drove up to the gas station to get a newspaper right away, you know, and there's nothing in the newspaper. And I was like, how is that possible? This is a huge ship almost on the ground next to us 23. I mean, I'm thinking hundreds of people had to see this. So anyway, I thought I'm going to call a newspaper, you know, cause you know, I lived with my, my wife and two kids and my mom and they know I've had a very interesting life, played music out in Las Vegas and Nashville and kind of switched gears in midlife, and got a degree in psychology. And anyway, they know I don't tell fish stories, but I still, I wanted some corroboration, you know, cause this was so weird. And, and so I called the newspaper and I got some guy and he gave me to another guy. The first guy seemed disinterested. The second guy got his same way. And he was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, we haven't had any reports, but I'll take a report. And I was like, what? And he said, what's your name? And, uh, you know, at that point, it's 1994, and I thought, man, if this dude is telling me they've had no other reports of this, do I want my name in the newspaper about seeing this thing? And I was like, you know, I said, maybe if you get some more reports and I see something in the paper, I'll call you back, but I'm just going to drop this, you know. And But I was like Richard Dreyfus, man, and I did see uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I was like, on this mission from God, man, I, I was like, I was wigged and I wanted some answers. Man. And uh, so that went nowhere. So I thought I'm going to call the airport because I mean, there's a tower at the airport. that's like eight stories tall. I didn't know if it was manned at 5. AM. And I didn't know if they'd put me through to the tower. I thought they wouldn't. And, but I thought it's worth a shot. So I, I'm going to call the airport. So I called the airport. And I said, can I speak to the tower? And I saw something out of the sky. And they just said, no fanfare, nor objection. Immediately said, no problem. One moment, you know. And I get this guy. And he seems, you know, vaguely interested. And I asked him, was anybody in the tower at that time? And he said, yeah, we're in it 24 hours a day. And he's, and I said, well, then you had to have seen this visually. It would have been below radar. But there's no way they could have not seen it. Because I was right next to the airport on an overpass. And there are eight stories in the air. They would have seen this thing. And because these lights were so bright and he said, no, we didn't, you know, we didn't see anything. And I'm like, and I described him what I saw, which was like, I'm a hundred foot or something from this massive thing. And I describe it. It's triangular. It's metallic. It's got a stride at bottom. It's, and, and he asks me stuff like, could it have been a star? Could it have been a blimp? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I was like, that, you know, I just got exasperated and I'll never forget. I said to the guy, I said, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah, go ahead. And I said, well, you're an air traffic controller. I said, have you ever seen anything you couldn't explain? And this is a quote. This is like, I will never forget his words. He said to me, let's put it this way. Uncle Sam signs my paycheck. So if I did, I couldn't tell you. And I was like, oh, so that's how this works, huh? And he said, but here's a number for you to call. And he gives me this 800 number for some outfit called MUFI, which I, I didn't, you know, I'd never heard of that. And uh, 
I called this guy and I was out on the West Coast and I've listened to videos since and I swear to you, I think I think it was that Peter Davenport guy. He's real kind of had a unique voice, real businesslike. And I called this guy and he said, I described to him what happened. He said, well, we haven't had any reports, but uh, here. And he said, and he said something like, it's no big deal. People see them all the time. And I'm like, well, it's a big deal to me, man. And uh, I didn't say that, but, you know, I was like, you know, like, he's just like, oh, no, no, no big thing. You know, and I'm like, like I said, my brain's dripping out my ear. And, uh, but he said, do you live anywhere near Flushing, Michigan? And I said, yeah, Flushing by chance is a suburb on the west side of Flint, about this nice little commuter town, kind of upscale, nice town about six miles uh, east of Flint. And I said, uh, pardon me, west. And I said, yeah, it's not far. It's like 10 miles. And he said, well, the state director of MUFON uh, lives in Flushing, Michigan. Here's her phone number. Call her. So this is when things become just bizarre. And uh, anyway, so I call this number and I get this lady, Shirley Coyne. God bless her. God rest her soul. She's gone now. Very sweet lady. Kind of reminded me of my mom. And, you know, I figured this was going nowhere probably too. I was about to give up. And uh, a lot of synchronicities, man. I, I This was my Hail Mary. And, uh, and I thought she'd say, you know, no, I've not heard anything. I called her. She says, oh, honey, no, you're not going crazy. She said, two ladies carpooling to Lucas Surtec in Fenton, Michigan, which was a town not as far south as where I was going to New Hudson. But two ladies carpooling to Lucas Surtec at 10 o'clock the night before drove their car at the same spot they encountered it, but it was straddling both lanes of the freeway and they drove their car right under it. Right. And I'm like, Whoa, that's, and, but, but she added, she said, she said they drove their car under it on their second pass going South. Right. And uh, I'm after eat something. I got up early and didn't eat breakfast and my stomach's kind of rolling. I, I get kind of stressed talking about this. I hope I'm making sense. And You're fine. Uh, You're doing great. And, uh, she says, this is what this woman tells me. She says, they drove their car underneath it on their second pass going to south. And she explains that they were going south, these two women carpooling to this factory job in Fenton. And all of a sudden, they realized, for reasons they couldn't explain, they were going north. And th- they sort of came to this kind of consciousness. Or something. They, they realized, they start, she said they started laughing and said, we're going north. And she said they had to turn around and go south again. And on this second pass, they drove under this thing. This is at 10 o'clock at night on Thursdays. This only hit me two weeks ago after 27 years. I mean, this thing is huge, really big anyway. And and she's telling me it was straddling both lanes at the freeway at 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday night on US 23, three miles south of Flint. This, none of this makes sense. So she says, and she said, and they felt like turning around took them like, you know, five minutes and they got to work an hour late. And I'm at this point in my life, you know, I was a skeptical guy. I'm thinking, what are we talking here? Alien abduction, uh, you know, missing time. I'm like, come on, this is kooky. But, but it was great to get some corroboration. And uh, she wanted to come to my home on Sunday and her and another lady came out and I filled out some forms tried to drive, you know, move on as a form you fill out. And I said, sure, come on out. And they came out Sunday and 
we talked and that was, this was very nice. They were there about an hour and I tried to size them up. You know, I didn't know anything about UFOs or UFO people. And I, I just was not into this stuff at all. And, uh, I remember she, she said at one point before she left, she said that she was sad because she had a son that she didn't see very often. He was 16 or 17. And she said she didn't see him very often because he lived aboard one of the ships. At which point I thought, you know, is she crazy? I mean, I'm like, what's going on here, man? Is these people nuts or what? I didn't know what to make sure that I liked her, but you know, at that point, I had no familiarity at all with any of this. This was like, you know, I just got a kid that lives on a spaceship. I'm like, what? You know, but I was grateful that she came out. So I go to work on Monday and I endeavored to just, I was not going to talk about this stuff at all. I didn't tell anybody I made a report to this outfit. I just really wanted to put this behind me. You know, I was like, I made a report. Okay, put some bookends on this. You know, so I go to work and I swear to you, man. Again, these synchronicities. This was a terrible job. And I, I've joked before that the gene pool at Deco Manufacturing was not real impressive. And I had one person that I'd been there like three weeks. I was a, I had one person in that whole factory that I knew on a first name basis. And it was a black lady named Carolyn. And she used to sing in bands, very smart, sophisticated kind of gal, and kind of didn't fit in. And we talked one day, and I was a musician at had for years and had gotten out of that. We had things in common. She was smart and funny, just very pleasant. And she had a husband that worked at a plant in Flint and two, two kids. And uh, we would do lunch together. And uh, she was literally the only person I knew, period, the end. I didn't know anybody else by name. And uh, I go to work on Monday. And she had, I didn't see her on Friday. I don't know why. We, we worked in different departments. At, you know, they would rotate us. And I didn't see her on Monday. And on Monday, when the bell rang to go home, I see Carolyn running up to me, and she doesn't even look like herself. She looks, you know, really, she always dressed nice and just smiling, and she looked uh, frightful. She looked really distressed and really upset. And she said, Guy, Guy, you've got to call me after work. You've got to call me after work. And she gave me her phone number, which I didn't have. And I, I didn't even associate it with this UFO thing. And uh, I thought maybe she had some kind of family problem, but I know she sang at a big church. She was really involved in singing at church and wanted me to come see her sing at her church. And she had a big church family. I thought, what? I thought it must be some family thing. And why is she asking me to call her? I didn't, I didn't even think UFOs, right? I mean, and anyway, so I drove home and gave it a while. And I, I called her, I rang her up and said, Hey girl, what's going on? And she says to me, her response was, Guy, what does Iron Tomb mean? What does Iron Tomb mean? And I'm like, what does Iron Tomb mean? And I'm like, Carolyn, what are we talking about here? <laughs> you know, what, what's going on? And she segues into this story. And I, I had a, I made contemporary, contemporaneous notes after I got off the phone. I mean, I've always been kind of an amateur writer and I didn't want to forget this. Uh, anyway, she's just segued from this. What does iron Tim mean? She said, she said, well, on that morning on Friday, last Friday, when, when you guys were talking about seeing a UFO, she said, Car Felicia and I, Felicia and I were carpooling again, two women carpooling. 
we were carpooling and we didn't see a UFO. We didn't see anything in the sky. And uh, she said, but we thought we hit black ice. I thought I thought I hit black ice. She said Felicia was sleeping because the van started spinning. As was March in Michigan and black ice is ice that you can't see. And it's still cold out. And she said, but she said, guy, as my van started spinning, it was accelerating. And she said, I get sick on carnival rides and I didn't even get sick. And it was spinning faster. And she said, Felicia woke up and said, don't hit the brakes, don't hit the brakes. And she said, she kept telling me she was afraid that as they spun, she saw the lights of the oncoming cars. She said she was afraid that they were going to hit her. And then she lowered her voice and she was kind of crying. She was really a mess. And uh, she said, but guy, then I realized we were going up. We were going up in the air. And I was like, what the hell is going on here, man? And, and then there was kind of a blank for her at that point. And she said that, and this is a full-size conversion van. It was like this big Chevy conversion van. It wasn't some small vehicle. She said, the next thing she remembered was she said that she said, all of a sudden I felt like the van was being pulled across the median as if there was a magnet behind it. You know, it was like, and she said, we came to a violent stop, but she said, I had all this stuff on shelves in my conversion van. And even though we came to this violent stop, nothing fell off the shelves. You know, and I was like, okay. And, and I, like I said, I wrote every bit of this down. That's why I remember it. And the first thing that either one of them said, according to Carolyn, she said, Felicia said, it was almost like a religious experience. Felicia said, isn't God wonderful? And Carolyn said that she said, yes, he is. And Felicia said, at least we'll be to work on time. Their perception being that they'd spun around or something, you know, at that point, you know, I talked to Carolyn later that week and she was having these flashbacks and fragmented, but at that point they thought they'd spun around and I guess they were on the side of the road and they, they got on the freeway to drive and they thought, I said to Carolyn, which way were you going? Because this was ringing some bells, you know what I mean? And she said, well, we thought we were going south, but then we realized we were going north. And I said, and I wanted to, you know, to know that it was at the same spot. And I said, I said, where did you get off to turn around and come back south? And she said, Grand Blank Road, which was the exit just north of where I saw this, right? And she said, and the, the, the final thing she added was, she said, for some reason, they had left real early that morning. And she said, yeah, she said, and we left really early. And then when we got to work, it was so weird. We walked in and she said, you were on the line. And everybody was on the line and we looked up and we were an hour late, you know? And I was like, it was a lot to process for me. I was already totally freaked out by this UFO because I was way too close to it. And uh, it was just a lot. And uh, I didn't handle it real well. It was emotionally draining. And still, sometimes I struggle with with this stuff because it sounds cuckoo. I mean, you're a young man. I'm 69. I've got a heart attack and a stroke. I'm getting old. Uh, you know, people in my age cohort, particularly people my age, they hear this stuff. And, you know, I've lost some friends over it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it strikes young people are more amenable. They're more open to this. I mean, who's going to invent some complex narrative like this? This is what happened, man. Uh, I, I've never, I've always despised people who lie and I've never been much of a liar at all. And, 
was a lousy salesman, in fact, because I was honest. But uh, so anyway, there was that. And I and then as if all of that wasn't weird enough. Right. I mean, again, the synchronicity, my then wife never worked in our marriage. Never. And we had hit this rough spot. I'd, I'd had to take this crappy job. And she decided that she was going to work down there at Deco with me for a few weeks till we got on our feet. And I got a good job again because I normally had good jobs. I just kind of had this weird spot where I was between good jobs. So she starts working there on Monday or Tuesday with me, right? So Carolyn and I have this bizarro conversation on Monday. And she's really, really distraught. I, I was worried for her. I was afraid she might end up, you know, in a hospital or something. I go to work. And my wife goes with me on Tuesday. And I don't know this gal that was in passenger seat. Her name's Felicia. But my wife, my then wife, works all day on the line with this gal, Felicia. And apparently, Felicia determined that I was, that Shelly and I were married. And I think she must have known that Carolyn talked to me. <laughs> and we get in the car to go home, man. We're driving back to Flint from New Hudson. And uh, my wife says to me, she says, you're not going to believe what Carolyn or Felicia told me. And I'm thinking, man, what, you know, what next? Do I even want, do I want to know, you know? And, uh, and she says, yeah, she said, and I told my wife that Carolyn was really distraught. She said she was, she was fairly, you know, together and within reason calm about it. But she just told my wife flatly that they got abducted by aliens and that she didn't know why, but that she'd been trying to get pregnant and she, she'd had miscarriages. And she said, I don't know why, but I feel like these guys made me pregnant. And when my wife told me that, I kind of shut down. I said, you know what? I don't want to hear any more about this. I don't want to talk about it. Enough's enough. I just couldn't deal with any more stuff. Uh to make a long story short, so 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 we don't run out of time, uh, you know, like 18 years later, my my I'm remarried, divorced and remarried. My my wife finds a a, a, a post on uh, the Move On website, and it's obviously written by Felicia, although she doesn't sign it. It's all the details are she's in the passenger seat, they're driving from Flint to New Hudson, and she said, and she ends up with something like, and and then I realized what happened. Uh, because like nine months later or something like that, I had my son who was now 17 and I about fell out of my chair, you know? So, I mean, you know, so anyway, but my thought was, okay, so they got abducted. This stuff's all real. And uh, I don't know why other people didn't stop, but. Do you think it's possible that that UFO was broadcasting a signal out to everybody to say, you know, get out of here, keep going? And that's why nobody paid attention on the road. They just kept driving by. Well, it's, it's absolutely. I've thought of that many times. I've thought, you know, I definitely think it was broadcasting a signal and because of a thing that happened like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I knew I knew that it was. I knew that that thought was transferred to my head. And I mean, I, I just would never say that until two weeks ago when it's 27 years later. I, I knew that it was. They, they, and it, and that, I mean, that has all kinds of implications. You're using a part of your brain that we don't normally use that could open neural pathways and affect consciousness. And I think that may 
have laid the groundwork for further things, uh, maybe a, like a psychic experience. And, uh, uh, but, but, but yeah, might've been doing that. And, but although I would have, at the same time, I would have thought some people would have at least had the curiosity to force themselves to slow down. Like I, I slowed down to, well, you know, like 35, and nobody else was even touching their brakes. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I see a counselor, uh, I went to a counselor after I had the heart attack and I talked to him about the UFO stuff. And his theory is maybe only some people can see him. And I've actually seen some interviews with Bud Hopkins where he, I thought that sounded ridiculous, but there are, there's some, there are some cases like that. So I don't know, but I know the thing was, I know it broadcast to me, get out of here. Now to confirm it was a triangular shaped craft. Yeah. It was an equal, equilateral triangles. I mean, a huge, flying apple turnover i mean it was crazy man right it was crazy. one last thing before we move on you just happened to mention this and it got yeah. me a little confused that your wife also became pregnant around that time or something no no so no no no, no, no. no this was this gal no this was this gal that told my wife she felt these things had made her pregnant oh i i, I found it my my i divorced and remarried my wife now, who's kind of the love of my life, been a great eight years, and she found an article online, or not, not an article, but a you know a submission to MUFON, written by Felicia, and she had a baby nine months later. You know, oh, that's amazing. Who's even going to believe this? Nobody. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard for me to believe. Right. All right. So let's talk about your second one. When did that happen? Well, 18 years went by and, you know, my thought was, well, that thing took them, but, you know, this has got nothing to do with me, right? Mm-hmm. And I was living on the east side of Flint and a, and a house I'd bought used as rental, really a bad neighborhood. My then wife had driven us to bankruptcy and my job had gone away and uh, I was basically going into retirement and uh, she was across the street one night. We bought the house across the street too. And I couldn't sleep, and I was up at three o'clock in the morning, just goofing around the internet. I think it was, I think it was playing play money poker, right? Not thinking about UFOs or anything. And I, I was very depressed because our relationship was real bad anyway. But I think that may have had something to do with this. I don't know. But anyway, I, I couldn't sleep. It was three o'clock in the morning. I thought, well, what the hell? I'm just going to go get a cup of coffee. I'm going to have to go to work tomorrow, so I'll stay up. And I walked out to the kitchen, and uh, the coffee pot was on a stand. And above the stand was a window that looked over our driveway and then a vacant lot. And I'm pouring this cup of coffee and this beam of blue light, this massive beam of like, it was like a soft blue laser. It was, it's real hard to describe. There was a vacant lot with some junk in it from a house that had been there. I mean, this thing, this light, I've never seen a light like this. It cast no shadows. Uh, it was just the eeriest thing I've ever seen. And it, it appeared, of course, I'm looking at one side of the house, but it had a distinct stopping point. I mean, it was it was a beam, you know, and it wasn't, I say it was laser-like, you know, it wasn't like an incandescent light where it's, you know, brighter in one spot and there's shadows. And I've never seen anything like this. I mean, I was just, I stood there with a cup of coffee looking at this for like, like 10 seconds. It was about 10 seconds, I think. And, and I was just, and then it went out. And I thought, did I just see that? And the minute I thought that, they turned it back on, came back on. 
just like, here you go, man. You know? And, and I said out loud, I swear, man, I, I, I literally out loud, I said, you jokers. That's what I said. And the, the front door was only about 12 feet away. And I ran out the front door like, I'm going to catch these guys, right? And this neighborhood was horrible. It was, a, it was a decent neighborhood when I bought the house like years and years before. But I mean, there was gunfire all night long, arsons, dogs barking. I run out the front door, the lights out, and it's literally like time is. And the house sat on a little rise. I could see either direction, a block and a half. There isn't a car. There's not a sound. I mean, not. A, I didn't hear a dog barking, a cricket. It's like. It was like the, like I said, like time had stood still and that light was on. And I was like, okay. And I don't even remember what I did afterwards. I, I went in the house. I think I went back to the computer or something. And I don't know. I think I went to bed. The light was beaming through the window into your house? It didn't, it, you know. And I've watched a lot of videos where people said, oh, there was a blue light in my house. It's not, I've seen a couple where they weren't, but. Uh, no, it was not in my house. It was around my house. You know, it didn't, it didn't, it did not, it wasn't diffuse. It didn't come into my house. Right. So you just saw it out the window. Like, yeah. It was outside. like, it was like, you know, like, like showtime, a, you know, like a there's giant a, spotlight shining yeah, in your house. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. That's exactly what it was like. And my wife, we bought the house across the street. She had some kids that were looking for jobs and we needed, they needed a place. So she was staying over there. So came over in the morning to make me breakfast. And I said, man, this blue light came out around the house. And she said, wow, it's weird. But she didn't know how weird it was because she didn't see it. So, And uh, then like literally three or four nights later, she comes over to the house. Again, she was staying across at the house, not, house across the street for the kids, for adult kids. And she comes in the house at 11 o'clock at night with a bunch of VHS tapes. And she said, little Mexican lady. And she says, and the kids are watching a bunch of shows. They're watching something on Netflix or something I don't want to see. And I'm going to watch some movies. And I said, fine, I'm going to bed. You know? And I said, have at it. Watch, watch your movies. And uh, she's out there laying on the couch watching the TV. And I'm, I went to bed. About 9 o'clock in the morning, she throws the bedroom door open. And she's just freaked out, man. And she said, that blue light, the blue light you told me about, I call it laser blue, laser blue. It came on all around the house. And... And she was just wigged. And I, I said, she described it exactly the same. And I said, did you go out to see where it was coming from? Which, you know, I did. And she said, no, 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 I was too scared. And she's, and I said, why didn't you wake me up? And she said, I tried to wake you up. I shook you and everything. She said, you couldn't wake up. You couldn't wake up, you know, like, and I don't sleep that sound, you know, I'm like, I couldn't wake up, you know. So that, that was weird, you know, and, and then right after that, and I did not even associate it with this blue light. Thing. I, I, I didn't know what happened. I, I knew something strange had happened, you know, but, you know, I'd never heard of blue lights. After that first encounter, I'd watched a bunch of UFO documentaries. I'd never heard of anything about blue lights or lights at all being associated with UFO UFOs. But when that blue light came on, I knew, I thought it was a UFO. I thought it was these guys because it was so weird looking. I mean, just nothing does that. I mean, it was a light that I've never, it was just different than anything I've ever seen. And, and I was like, I don't know why I wasn't scared at all. You know, I, that didn't scare me at all, even a, a bit. But, but after that, just a lot of 
strange things started happening. I mean, I didn't even associate it with, with the blue light thing. I, all of a sudden, I started, every time I looked at a clock, it was like 111, 222, 1111, 550. I mean, not every time, but way more than chance. And it, and I, it kind of stopped me in my tracks, you know, and I, I'd get this goofy feeling like you need to pay attention to this. At the same time, I was wondering, What's, why am I doing this? You know, because I'd never heard of anything like this. And I thought I'd just develop some quirk where I taught myself to look at the clock at certain times, you know. Be a little puppy in my lap. It's crying. A 15-year-old chihuahua. But, uh, you know, I didn't associate it with this light or anything. And then I've since learned that of the five or six people I know in my life, I've recently in the last few years, I've gotten into some groups and Everybody I know who's had these kind of experiences, every one of them has this this thing with seeing sequences of numbers on clocks. It's a, it's a thing, you know. Some people call them angel numbers. Some people swear that they get that this number means that or this number means that. I don't get any sort of message, but I still get it in waves way too often. And uh, just after the... I started seeing the numbers. A couple of years ago, I was informed that this is common with experiences of this kind. And just, I, I changed my life completely in a really bizarre way. I ran into my now wife who lived next door to me when we were eight and I'd lost touch with, who I'd been nuts about from the age of 14. And just everything fell into place. I got a divorce. I've had the best eight years of my life, she's literally probably spiritually and in every other way, the best person I've ever known. I don't believe she married me. So, but uh, it's kind of like things got better, but things also just, just odd synchronicities and odd things kept happening. We spoke before we went on air as a, maybe the oddest thing that happened was uh, your listeners, you know, you and I spoke briefly about it earlier, but, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I went to a wedding reception and, uh, I was introduced to the band leader before the bride and groom showed up at the reception hall. And I I went and, uh, I sat down at a table and, uh, we waited for the bride and groom and waited. It was a very beautiful country club. And I'd met this band leader and we exchanged pleasantries that my buddy whose daughter got married said, guy, this is so-and-so. And, And, uh, we talked for all of two minutes. I walked away and sat down and, 10 minutes later, I see the guy walking about 15 feet away, and I've never heard of anything like this, even from an experiencer, right? I have, there was no thought involved whatsoever. I see this guy. I mean, who's going to believe this? My wife was there. She saw it happen. I jumped out of my seat. I got nose, ran over to this guy, got like nose to nose with him. And I said, excitedly, I said, you've had a really weird close-up UFO sighting, haven't you? And he just kind of looked and stared in the middle space and said, as a matter of fact, yes, I have. And he tells me this crazy story about being 17 and driving down Dirt Highway in Flint. And all these cars are pulled over and people are out looking up. And he gets out. And there's this 200 feet in the air. There's this crap that looks like a straw hat. But the top's rotating. And it's got these portholes with colored lights. And like laser lights are shooting out of it. And he said he, they all stood there and watched it. And then at, in a couple of minutes, it left by like a bull. Like just went pshh. And he turns to me and looks at me and says, and there was nothing about it in the Flint Journal at all. And like, exactly like me. And and we didn't even say another word. We just walked away from each other. And I went over and sat down with my wife. And I said, 
you're not going to believe what I just said to this guy. And she said, what, what made you do that? And I said, I don't know. I said, I looked at this guy and thought he knows he's, he, he, I knew he knew that's what I said to her. And I mean, I don't even know what that means now. You know, it's gibberish. I mean, I just knew that, I knew that he'd had this experience. And I mean, like I said, this sounds nuts. I, I've watched a bunch of UFO documentaries. I've never heard anybody say anything like this. I mean, I'm like, what am I suddenly psychic? I I, I don't know. I never had anything like that before that or after, but it was very profound, you know? And, and I mean, the odd feature of the, going back to the first encounter is that in the, in the intervening years, okay, this happened on March 18th, 94, right? In 2009, I'm in for my yearly physical, and I'm getting my blood drawn. And I used to have to be really phobic about that. I just hated having it done. And uh, a buddy who had like 20 websites, he would pay me to write articles for him. And he, he had one site about UFOs. I, I would develop these sites for him. And he said, and he would pay me to write articles. And he said, write an article about your sighting. And, and he would pay me. So I just written an article about the sighting. And they're taking my blood. And there's a lady at a computer that's always in the phlebotomy office. And, and like this, this is so bizarre. I just have to, back then I had to think about anything but getting my blood drawn. And I, and she had this space wallpaper on her, on her computer. And I'm trying to not think about my blood being drawn. And I say to her, Hey, I said, I said, I just, I saw you in 1994. I saw a, a UFO out on US 23 between Baldwin and Thompson roads. And you should go to my, go to this website and read my article. And like, like she would care. I'm just trying to think about anything but have my blood drawn. Right. And she turns around to me and says, my neighbors saw that. This is a matronly woman who runs this office. He's an attorney and she teaches at Mott. And she said, they saw that too. It's the same spot, a, a triangle between Baldwin and Thompson Roads. And I said, what'd they think? She said, they said they were terrified. She said, they thought it was the end of the world. She said, they drove home as fast as they could and thought it was the end of the world. And then a year later, I'm at a reunion and I run into an old friend of mine who we were like this from kindergarten to high school. And he, we'd lost, we'd lost track of each other. And we were catching up on old times and I mentioned it to him. And he said, I saw that. I saw that too. And, and, and he'd driven, he'd gotten off at the next exit and tried to turn around and look at it better. And it had disappeared, but I'm like thinking what's going on here. And, and he, and he was, he's a smart guy. He's a business owner. And, he said, but it wasn't 1994. It was 1995. And I said, I know that it was. And and the lady at the phlebotomy office indicated to me that this had been kind of recent. That was 2009. And I'm going, what the, is this? Is this, is this thing out there all the time? What? How is this possible? Again, this is a feature that I've watched a lot of documentaries and stuff. I've never heard of this. I'm like, how can this be? And then recently, I think it's how you contacted me. I did a podcast, a local podcast in Michigan. It was the first one I'd ever done. And uh, and a young man reached out to me, and he told me that he cried when he listened to the podcast. And he seems like a pretty tough young guy. I think he's taking flight lessons. He's only 22, but he sells insurance for AAA. And, and it seems like a real go-getter and a normal young guy. But on March 23rd, mine was on March 18th, ninety four. On March 23rd of 2019, at the exact same spot, he had the identical experience that I had. He kept hearing, get away, get away. He slowed down like I did. 
He saw the red light, the orangish red light. When it lit up, it scared the hell out of him. He had the guts to roll his window down. I, I didn't do that. But he had been really, really, really troubled by this since 2019 and done everything he could to find, like me, somebody who'd seen this. But I'm like, what, what is this there, my friend? What, what's going on? Why couldn't I have a UFO sighting like a light in the sky? And that'd be the end of it. And it, and it conformed to other people's sightings so that somebody believe it. But I, one good thing is Carolyn that was in 94 that was driving the van. I called her once and I tried to talk to her. And her husband said, guy, I know what you're talking about. I introduced myself. And he said, she, she can't talk about it. She gets too upset. So I can't talk to her. And, but this young guy, he's kind of like me. He said, I, we talked on the phone. We ended up talking on the phone for a couple hours. And man, it was just like, looking at a mirror, the feelings, the confusion, the emotion. And, and anyway, he, I feel like he's somebody who might be willing to, to talk about it at some point. I messaged him that I was going to do a podcast. And uh, he said, I think maybe someday I can talk about it publicly. And uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, how often I'm, I really wanted to find people. I made some YouTube videos a while back. They're not monetized or anything. I was, you know, I've got, I've got a YouTube channel. I suppose pet videos and remodeling videos and at the encouragement of this social worker I was seeing I wanted to find people and he said well you should make a video so I did and I made ended up making five of them so but but I mean just there's even a lot more weird stuff that's happened there's something behind our house that scared the hell out of the neighbors uh, they thought our house exploded the gal said it was this huge blue white explosion and I was sitting right here and my wife was right here and the sliding glass doors right there and our neighbors had never even spoken to us before. And she came to the door one night and she was, white as a ghost, some blonde lady. We didn't know who she was. And she said, I just want to make sure you folks are all right. And we were like, what are you talking about? And she said, well, there was this huge explosion right up by your sliding glass doors. And we were like, what? You know? And there's more and more. It's just, it's been like my life since 94 has been kind of like the twilight zone, you know? And like I said, it's kind of lonely. Who's going to believe you? I've had to reach out. Finally found some Facebook groups that are really helpful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, no no two experiences, experiences are identical. Mine's got some really odd features. And that's, you know, it's hard. But I, I don't look at it as a bad thing. That blue light almost kind of saved my life because I was in a real bad way. That's all right. Sorry that was so long, man. I, I know. It wasn't long. It was great. After watching this video, people may want to find you. Do you think they should find you on your YouTube channel? And if so, well, what's your channel name? I'm uh, I'm I'm a real under the radar fellow. It's Guy Merritt, G U I M E R R I T T. It's my, I, you know, I made this YouTube channel. I didn't know what YouTube. I thought YouTube was to just upload like pet videos, and you know, I never was trying to make money. And I'd had these other videos. I just use my name. It's mm-hmm. Guy Merritt. Yeah, if they want to. The way that I got a hold of this young man recently was he heard the podcast. They mentioned I had a YouTube channel. He went to YouTube and he said, I got to talk under one of my videos. Mm -hmm. We got to talk. We got to talk. And I sent him, I posted a temporary email account, which I then deleted. And he got a hold of me. And we, yeah, they can get a hold of me that way. And uh, I'd be glad to talk to him. Uh, You know, I don't have any answers. But yeah, I think sometimes it's good to be able to talk to somebody who's, 
Besides what you mentioned, do you feel like you have been changed in any other way due to these experiences? I think I was really interested in that video. It's interesting. You sent me that link that that British pastor, Mm -hmm. uh, like I had happened to, I've watched a bunch of videos about acquired savant syndrome. Mm -hmm. And uh, because the reason I've watched them is because I feel like my consciousness was altered. You know, I mean, I, I have, it's not a big deal, but the fact that I see these sequences of numbers, my consciousness has been altered. I don't know what they mean. And I'm much more interested in, I mean, I was not interested in any of this stuff. I, I think consciousness is non-local. I, I view the brain as a, I think the brain is like a step-down filter into which consciousness is squeezed and kind of minimized and controlled. Uh, uh, NDE stuff is very interesting to me. Uh, I, I I absolutely, I don't like to use the word believe. That's a funny word. I strongly, strongly suspect that at the time of physical death, we continue. And in another form, but our consciousness has less to do with our body than we think. You know, yeah, it changed me a lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, much more about spiritual things, you know. I, I saw it, in fact, with Linda, I, it's, we have a more spiritual relationship. It, um, and this is embarrassing to say. I don't even, maybe I shouldn't, but, you know, I was married a couple times before, and when we're, they were kind of musical groupies. I was a musician, pretty successful. And, you know, it just, it changed me. And, and it, for the better. So, you know, it's unsettling, and it's, there's a difficulty in that, you know, if you try to tell people this, the details are pretty crazy. If you've never seen a UFO or anything and you start telling people, yeah, my friends got abducted and they impregnated my coworker and my house was beamed with a blue light. And I, yeah. And you know, I had psychic experiences and I've got all these other weird things we didn't, don't even have time for. I'm like, you know, they just, it's so foreign to people that they, they think you've run off the rails or, you know, gee, I thought good old guy, or they, my friends call me Butch. I guess Butch has suddenly become schizophrenic or something. You know, they think there's something wrong with this. And, and thankfully, thankfully we live in a time when there is the internet. I found these groups where there's a lot of very intelligent, educated, sober-minded people, bright people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mix of people. It doesn't matter if they're educated or not. But I found people who have had uh, similar experiences. And that at this point in my life, I kind of hang with those people because, you know, not like we talk about UFOs and such all the time, but we might talk about remodeling. I got a great buddy on the East Coast. that's uh, We talk about everything. But, mm-hmm. but if we want to talk about this stuff, we can. And we know the other one's not crazy or not lying or something, you know. Do you have any advice for people who have witnessed UFOs or had experiences like you, like how to just deal with it, how to deal with life, talking to the public, anything like that? Wow. That's, that's an excellent question. And, uh, well, one thing I would say is I would say, well, because you can do this nowadays and it wasn't available to me, you can seek out, you have to be kind of careful, but, uh, uh, 
I, I don't know if it's okay if I mention his group or his name, but Ray Hernandez, he has an excellent group. Yes. He's one of my heroes. And mm-hmm. uh, I think Ray's really onto something, consciousness being central to this whole thing. And uh, there are some very excellent groups on on Facebook that you can get in. And, you know, you might find, might get in one and find it's not for you, but you can certainly find a couple. There's a number of them that are, that uh, that's one thing you can do. I, uh, I had a heart attack about four years ago and my wife's big in, into therapy and I was a little depressed. And I went to a social worker for that because I was depressed about that. I'd never been to a therapist before. And the third session in, I just, all of the stuff came out about the UFO stuff. And it was like this huge catharsis and, you know, just, just talking. To, and, and, and I was incredibly lucky. I got a young guy. He's like, well, he's like 45 and he's into ghost hunting. So, you know, how, how he's very broad minded. I was lucky. You know, I was blessed to, to, to have found him because I didn't know what I said. This fact, when I first told him, I, I got I'm emotional and I kind of teared up. Part of it was, I was afraid of what he might think. And mm-hmm. I would recommend to somebody, to, you know, there are there are therapists around that that are that are amenable to the possibilities of these things. Who you know, just sometimes talking it out with a person, plain old what they call talk. I have a four year degree in psychology. I was going to get a PhD, got sidetracked, but uh, just talking things out sometimes is helpful. But you need to be, you do need to seek out. I think maybe the best thing is to seek out people who've had these experiences who can reaffirm to you that hey, you're you're not crazy. And you're not alone, and uh, and it's okay to maybe get emotional about this because it is, you know. Well, you know, we're guys. You know, we're taught. I've never been much of a crier, but uh, about this, I can get emotional sometimes, which is weird. Uh, I mentioned that this young man that called me uh, that sought me out. He said that when he listened to that podcast I was on, that he broke down crying. It's a lonely thing, and it doesn't have to be, uh, as I said. So there are resources, and I, what what I can think of are like some of these Facebook groups, and possibly you're a you're a smart young man, and you're immersed in this. I'm sure you might have some ideas yourself, but uh, I, I don't know. That's what I can think of. That's that's what I found helpful. That's my Chihuahua Jack Russell. Yeah, going crazy. You know, after listening to you, it made me think about starting a UFO experiencer support group. I mean, maybe there already is one on Facebook anyways, but that would be a great thing to start if somebody There's has not enough. There's started. not enough. In fact, I told my, my therapist, I still see him. I just enjoy. Sometimes we talk about nothing, but, but I told him it's, it's an underserved community to, to put it mildly, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you would be doing a great service by, I think, I think that's would be a wonderful idea. You're, you have, I sense in you, you have a kind, accepting kind of spirit and you're, you're open-minded. I mean, these things sound crazy to a lot of people and you're not like that. That's to your credit. I think that you, you're a better man than me because before this happened to me, I was, I, I didn't think everybody was lying, but I didn't think a lot of these things are to be true that, that appear to be true to me. And, uh, you know, I think you would be doing a great thing. I, I encourage you to do that. That would be a, I think you'd be real good at it, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think you'd be an excellent. You, you've got you've got a nice calm. I don't want to say Mister Rogers. You you have a calming 
calming point about yourself. I'm perfect for this type of YouTube video. Yeah. But for you other are. types, but for, for but for other types, I'm not rah 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 rah. So, but that's life is finding your niche. And I, yeah. I didn't, I wasn't patronizing you because you asked me no. to be on your podcast. But I watched your video and I told you before we started, I, I think you have a real gift for this. Uh, I really noticed how you stayed out of the guest's way, and I, but you did ask important questions. It's just, yeah, I just think you've got to find your niche. I think your thing's going to kind of really do well i i don't know how much this is gonna help because this is way out but i think it's gonna help and on that note guy i am running out of time so before we go do you have one last message that you would like to share with everybody i hope loved ones and be nice to the planet because we're killing the planet and i don't know how that ever became political but that's an obsession of mine you know, all of this is a moot point when the planet dies and it's dying and we're not doing anything. And and be nice to each other, please, because your brother isn't your brother. He's you. You'll understand it one day. All right. Well, thank you for those, for those messages. And Guy, I really appreciate you sharing with us. I wish you the best and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing and, and have a great weekend. I'm remodeling my kitchen. So, all right, Jeff. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now.